everyone. Welcome to Tent Talks podcast. I'm Stacy. I'm your host. And we've got Kimberly Mehmet doing the sound production and editing. And we're happy to have you. This week, I kind of wanted to talk about how as humans, we've been really domesticated. And we've realized the harmfulness of the level of domestication. And so we started becoming woke, which is turned into a product of cultural appropriation and white supremacy. And that is what I would describe or define as the white wellness industry. And it was a major letdown for me during the pandemic, I think, as everybody was becoming really divided. And I was watching the wellness industry, which I I felt like was my community and the people that I aligned with as like healers in the community and people who were helpers and people that wanted to see the beauty and the kindness of the world and spread that. That's what I thought it was on the surface. But as I got deeper and deeper and found ways in which I even listened to this podcast and it was like the QAnon to white wellness pipeline. And it was so true. And then from there, you just take it a step further to like radical Mormonism or Christianity of like, there's just this really weird process because the way in which people are trying to wake up or ascend is rooted in such harmful ways. And I just wanted to talk about that because it's such an illusion, because you really do think you're doing these wonderful things. And you realize that halfway through, you're actually not doing the great thing that you thought you were setting out to do. And it becomes it becomes so devastating because you enter into this mindset of nihilism of like, well, nothing means anything. And everything is just a product of being sold or let down. And, and it just felt like this loss of trust with all of these pillars of support that I had in, in my career, in my identity as a human. And I don't know, it went, I went down some pretty dark roads And now I can just kind of laugh at it and find more origin story for it and create a stronger narrative around it. And this has been after a lot of education and reading a lot of books and listening to a lot of people of color, specifically black women's voices, I've come to learn a totally different way of of seeing things and it has helped actually restore some of my faith and hope in humanity again, because we don't mean to be deceptive. And I think it's terribly sad when we're deceived by capitalism and by religious institution and you know, there's so many big corporations that we're deceived by. But then what's even more sad is when we take on that identity and then further deceive people. And I've seen that a lot with like the influencer community, particularly how everybody's selling a product now, but this product has totally revolutionized and changed their life. And they wouldn't be anywhere without 
this product. And it just is such bullshit. And I used to do a lot of these things. And so I'm pointing out my own cringe as well in this episode. First of all, the basics. What is the domestication of us? Well, we're so privileged and we're so cushy and we're so far removed from the earth. And the earth is this living organism. And as humans, we are part of this ecosystem. But what we've done is we've decided to live in homes. We've decided to have artificial light. We can't all just farm our own food. So we've created food systems and we're eating different diets from all over the world. And that's just so pleasurable and wonderful, but it introduces different chemicals into our diet because they have to like preserve things. And there's so much that goes into creating food access for everybody to the extent that we have. So it's not only just about preserving for shipping and for transportation and distribution. There's so many layers of things that go into the soil and how it's grown and how we've genetically modified plants and done mono farming. And, and it just has, it's changed the molecular structure of even the food that we eat, I guess is all I'm getting at. There's changes in everything from the air that we breathe, the homes that we live in, the chemicals it's like they're just kind of chemical boxes and then everything is tempered to our exact level of comfort. Like turn on the central air, the air conditioning or the heater and take a hot shower and everything is just so cushioned to meet our every need. And it's absolutely fantastic. And it feels so luxurious, but there becomes a point in a person's life, when their body starts to reject the domestication and is craving connection to the earth and craving authenticity and craving alignment. And it happens sometimes through chronic illness. I see that a lot, chronic illness, but sometimes it happens through just this total shift in perspective Sometimes it happens with like a deep depression or a mental breakdown and realizing this distance between us and the earth and how that really does affect us. And some people really don't have access to a lot of outdoor time or plant life. And I think of a lot of like big cities where everything is covered in cement And for them to put their feet in the earth, that would actually take a lot of effort. And apartment buildings where they're just stacked so high on top of each other, particularly in Utah, we're really lucky to have as much access to the earth as we do. And we pollute the air and we pollute the earth so much here. And it's so devastating because we are part of the very lucky few who get this kind of interaction with nature in the same way that we have access to and availability. And there's a lot of really big decisions being made about our environment and about 
the Earth's resources that are being made politically right now. And the destruction of the Earth is actually the destruction of humanity, but it happens in a sequence. It happens to women's bodies and children first. And so we think, oh, we're just allowing like corporations to dump chemicals in our desert. It doesn't matter. It starts really simply or what feels like at a great distance from us where it wouldn't affect. And what's actually happening is it mirrors and it creates a mindset where we can control and commodify and force and regulate women's bodies. And it it's very connected. And I would encourage you to find resources and understand the connection, how the way that we show up in the world and the way that we treat the earth directly affects the way that we treat particularly women and children. And it has to do with a rule of patriarchy where men in the patriarchal mindset model are given dominion over the earth and over women and over children. And those spheres just become smaller and smaller with, if you imagined a huge circle at the top of a page, that would be men. And then underneath that circle are other little spheres and they just keep getting smaller, the earth and then women and then children. And it's, that's not true. Men don't have dominion or power. They're in relationship with these things. And so part of decolonizing yourself from the white supremacist narrative and the patriarchy is to remember that you're part of an ecosystem and you're part of a whole biosphere and you don't have control over it. You are one element inside of that. As I broke all of that down and researched it, I had to go back and think about a lot of these like wellness tips and tricks that help people wake up that became total bullshit and so cringy. And yet I've tried them all and some of them I still do a lot and and I'm embarrassed and I don't want to do all of these things, but there are some things that I that I really still kind of like. We're all somewhere on this spectrum and we're all just trying to figure it out. But I made a list of 10 things that are really cringy that help people go from a domesticated state to a woke state. And they're just kind of silly. And I just have to laugh at us humans because we are so resilient and we're so silly at the same time. So the first thing that I want to start with is like, it's kind of diet culture, but I would call it clean eating because right in a white supremacist narrative, everything has to be like clean or associated with whiteness or purity. And this idea of like clean eating, and we can break it down in a lot of different ways. But I just love this idea that people will buy like an organic mango 
that has to be shipped all the way from Peru or somewhere. I don't even know where mangoes come from, if that's um, geographically true. But you get the idea. Just like some exotic fruit that's organic, but that comes from halfway around the world. And then like the thing that is locally made, like a Utah-grown apple that isn't organic, they would take the organic option from all the way across the world than just like the local option. And I think that's such a weird thing. It gets stuck in your head that like clean or organic is just far better. And there's not this larger picture that some things are better to eat organic than not organic. Like things that have peels, for example, you don't have to focus as much on getting organic if you're not going to be eating the peel. But there's also things like, do you care about how far it's traveled to get to you? Because that depends on, you know, how it was ripened. And it also has a lot to do with money and finances and how much money you have to spend on your organic produce that's been shipped from halfway across the world. And Money is a huge part of the story because it's also accessibility. If you're in a part of the world where most of your grocery shopping is done from like corner stores and in order to go to a big supermarket is very hard for you, like maybe you have to take a lot of public transportation and you get off work at a certain time and the stores are open only, you know, for so long. There's a lot of obstacles to getting the best, the freshest produce. And accessibility is huge. We kind of don't think about that if we have a lot of grocery stores around us, if we have our own transportation, if we have a lot of time that we could devote to a big shopping trip. An example that I want to share is I was watching TikTok and there was this woman making this like Thai salad and it had all these fresh ingredients and fresh herbs and I saved it because I wanted to make it. And then I was reading the comments to try to find like the exact dressing recipe. And this woman from Sweden piped in and she said, this salad, I just priced it. I live in Sweden. This would take over $50 for me to make this particular salad because some of these ingredients are really impossible for me to get. And so a better option for me is just buying like a prepackaged salad with like some of these ingredients, because this is just like outrageous. I couldn't afford to live and eat like this. And this woman on her TikTok, you know, she's just very innocently advertising like clean eating and cool recipes. But there's so many things to take into consideration. And I think it's okay to like what you like and to share recipes and all of those things are okay. The problem is, is when it becomes a moral failing, a judgment or like a status symbol, like, hey, I eat clean. I eat an only vegetarian diet. I eat only vegan. And it becomes this thing that you have to talk about. What it does is it completely squashes other people's experiences and it almost makes them irrelevant or lesser than or not as good as yours. And 
I've heard a lot of indigenous voices talking about that with like veganism and vegetarian, when they carefully care for the entire animal. And it's almost like ceremonial, and they give a lot of gratitude. It's this spiritual reciprocity that they share with the animal and its life. And they use the full animal like very thoughtfully. And it's part of their like survival and the way that they've been able to stay alive as a community. And then, you know, you cue in a vegan culture and they talk about how high vibe it is to be vegan and how like you can't really have as much intuition or as much access to your own personal power if you're eating meat. And it's interesting how we take this thing and we twist it to fit this narrative. And in the white supremacist narrative and the patriarchal mindset narrative, it's always this one up and this elevation and this cleanliness and this greater access to this greater God power. And that's just bullshit. And we have to stop doing that. And we can say, you know, I feel really well, I feel really energized when I eat in this particular way, it must work well with my body. And then we stop there. And we don't put it on anybody else. And we don't elevate anything about it, because it has to do so much with our access, our privilege, where we live, you know, a lot of factors are going into that decision. And I just think it's really sad when we start talking about clean eating and elevate the status of our privilege. I find it embarrassing now. I find it really cringy. The next thing is cold showers or cold plunging, Wim Hof breathing, all this nonsense. Now, do I love it and believe in it? Absolutely. Like I'm going to elevate all of the reasons why your biorhythms of naturally reheating up your body and like experiencing temperature extremes is good for your body. There's nothing to refute there. But it's this idea that suddenly now, all of these particularly white wellness people are filming themselves like taking a cold dip with snow around a river. And they're just like, holding their breath and doing this. They're modeling it for people. And it's like, have you ever met somebody who doesn't like have access to hot water? That's just like their life. And there's like much of the world that exists off of not having a water heater. And we've just been so comfortable in our warm showers that we have to make this production about cold plunges. And another cool example of this is like, there's this business. There's a lot of businesses that come out of Utah because we love anything that's trending. But there's a business for cold plunge outdoor bathtub, and they have a cover. And they're selling for like nearly five grand. And it's just this ridiculous, like people are making this out of like cow troughs. Anybody can have an outdoor cold situation if they wanted one, but it's this elevated status of, of cold plunging. And there's businesses that are specifically now set up to do cold plunging. 
hydrotherapy is as old as time. Like we've been doing that. Take any culture. You've got your Roman baths. You've got Japanese bathhouses. I mean, we've known about the importance of hot and cold and water therapy forever, but it just became this like elevated thing that you do to regulate your nervous system. And it was attached with all of these things. And what it is, is just a bunch of people with enough time and enough access to have amenities like this. And then they post it all over and they make it part of their like healing journey. And what they're doing is they're just showing their privilege and they're just showing this invisible status that they have. And it becomes what it's not. And it's a little bit gross. And yet, have I done it? Absolutely, I have. (laughs) And I can just, in the privacy of my own home, take a cold shower and have the same benefits. You know, maybe there's added benefit of being outside. I paused there because I thought, well, maybe being outside there's... But essentially, you don't need to go up in the mountains in a beautiful snowy river and film yourself and do all the correct breathing and get it down to the art and the science. You don't have to do all that. There are whole cult followings here in Utah where you just meet and, and do your cold plunging and have support. And then you drink tea afterwards and you drum and you sing and like, no, you can just, you can just do this anytime or any place. You don't have to record it. You don't have to start, a cult over it. You don't have to sell expensive tops. You can just do this. I'm on one today. I mean, I don't know. I just woke up this way. (laughs) The other thing is medications that are specifically for ADHD that are, you know, like stimulants. I think this is life-saving medication for some people. Like suddenly they can complete a task But what I've noticed so much is this other contrast where I see it a lot with women. Again, that's the community that I most serve. But it's like moms are so isolated and they're so overworked and busy and they have a lot dumped on them. And in order to function in the world, they have to be on a stimulant to get everything done that they need to. And there's no rest culture. There's just hustle culture. And I see this so much in in young moms who are like living off of diet soda and their ADD medication. And I just think it's really sad that, that we have to be on stimulants to keep up with all of the demands of life. And that instead, we just can't rest. And resting is so controversial that I mean, you're labeled lazy and, and our worth is measured by our productivity because we're on this perfectionist track where we're constantly trying to be better, be better and do more and have it look perfect. And sometimes what would be the most regulating thing is to just go slow, do less and also rest. It's like the most simple answer. But instead, what we've done is we've medicated to do more so that we can keep up with some 
version of this perfectionist model. And again, there are people who this I have seen I have friends who this is an absolute lifesaver of a medication. I'm not shitting on the medication or people who take medication. I'm just simply saying that maybe everybody doesn't need to be on this medication. Maybe some people just need to rest and stop hustling and get more support and not do everything by themselves or not be so hyperproductive. Okay, so we've done cold showers, we've done stimulants, clean eating, tapping is on my list, emotional freedom technique, tapping. I love this. And I hate that it's even on my list. But it's this idea that people don't have to feel their emotions, that they can just tap it away, tap it away to neutrality, just be in a neutral state. I'm feeling strong feelings. I'm just going to tap my body right through it. And for those that don't know what tapping is, I actually really love it. There are specific places on the body that have a lot of like either lymph or neural connection and... A lot of people tap to provide some stimulation on these points and they maybe like say an affirmation or they try to work through this sensation through tapping. But there's often this preliminary thing, depending on if you do a full emotional freedom technique, where there's someone doing this process of like muscle testing and the, and there's lists and charts and diagrams and they isolate these emotions that are either conscious or subconscious in your body. And then you process them through by tapping. And it's like, in theory, yes, this is such a great shortcut, a little hand up, but There are people who refuse to feel their emotions, who refuse to go to therapy, who refuse to get help, and they just want to tap through things. I'm just going to tap, tap through any sensation I have, tap through any discomfort. And it's like, no, that is not the point. I love tapping for children or for people who don't have the capacity who are so overwhelmed in a trauma state that it's like somebody just taking enough from their cup that's overflowed so that they can start to really work through and heal those things. But it it is not a permanent state. It is not a solution. It's more just like something to do to help and something to do to like stimulate your body to help take some of that pressure off. But I can't even tell you, I've seen so many people avoid feeling there at any cost. They will come up with scripts and mantras and affirmations. And it's all in service to avoid feeling emotions through the body and processing things. And That's the edge at which it becomes very problematic. If you ever see me tapping, you might think like, oh, I call bullshit on this. I've seen you. I, I, I do these things still, but I don't do them in place of actually doing things. But sometimes you're out and about in the world and you just need a little something that you can do to help calm, like a stemming something that you can do to help calm yourself down, but it is not 
in replace of actually feeling and processing your emotions. That's where we've gone wrong. And I guess on point with that, positive mindset. I know this sounds controversial, but studies all over show that having a positive mindset is, you know, amazing and far better for people that have a a negative mindset. And I love positive thinking and positive ideas and being around people that uplift you. I mean, there's enough data to prove that this is helpful for you, but there is an edge of problematic And that edge where it gets problematic is when people refuse to see the truth. They put a positive spin on it. They're living in denial or they cannot empathize with people or go to the depths with somebody. And so they just put a positive spin on it. And the easiest example of that is when somebody dies and it's like devastating for the person in grief. And then you have one of these positive mindset jokers coming along and they say something like, oh, they're in a better place now. Their body's out of pain and they're with God. And it's like, you think you're being helpful and focusing on something good, but what you're actually doing is very harmful to the person in front of you. And I think about this, this positivity and this love and light kind of mantra And it can be so harmful for people. And I think the point of a positive mindset is to begin to speak compassionately to yourself and to change that narrative in your head from one that's always shoving negative messages on a loop and switching it out with something kind and compassionate and positive. But that happens inside And you can affirm and reassure yourself while still like reading the room and showing great empathy and compassion for those around you. You don't just all of a sudden skip to a positive mantra so you don't have to feel anything that is not happy. So that positivity mantra is not so that you can avoid feeling anything that isn't so-called happy or love and light, that's not the point of it. I think the root of a positive mindset is that it it's something internal that you're doing on behalf of yourself so that you can be more compassionate when showing up for other people, not so that you can help them from feeling their feelings. And I, I just think we get so confused because we have to put this spin on things. And we actually don't have to do that. But we've made it like that. And I have 10 of these items that I wanted to talk about. But we're only able to do five per episode. So I just wanted to quickly do a review of these woke principles that have been usurped by white supremacy and capitalism and the patriarchal mindset and now are kind of hurtful and cringy. So we talked about clean eating and we talked about cold showers and stimulants and tapping or emotional freedom technique 
and positive mindset. Join next week to hear about five more of my cringy, woke practices that I have totally done and still might do, but also don't agree with most of them, but kind of a little bit sometimes. Stick with us next week. See you next time on Tent Talks.